In this episode, we have Zach joining us and we're going to be talking about emotional wellness and Zach's journey uh, with going on anxiety medication, going off of anxiety medication. Um, With October being emotional wellness month, we thought that this would be a great opportunity to talk about uh, some stories. So stay tuned for Zach's story. Hey guys, welcome to our mess. Today we have a friend of mine uh, who is Zach. So I'm super excited for him to be on. He and I actually went to college together. So it's really great to reminisce of when we were young. So um, I will just kind of give the time over to you so you can introduce yourself a little bit. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I So a little bit about me. I guess I grew up in Draper, Utah. Um, I have a couple of brothers. I'm the middle child forgotten child just kidding my parents are incredible I'm not the forgotten child um and I went to school at Dixie with Bailey here so I went and played soccer there and um finished my career there got a uh degree in business management and then I moved back up to northern Utah where I am currently doing operations consulting as well as mental fitness coaching which is the valued adventure so that's kind of where I'm at um what else would you like to know i outdoors I love outdoors things (laughs) but yeah that's basically the gist of yeah the gist of Zach the gist of Zach yes (laughs) perfect okay well I would love to hear the story that you want to talk about for today um okay well um I'm glad you reached out like I think it's awesome that you have this platform to have people share things because I think it's so useful for people to have someone that is having a similar experience that they've been having so hopefully this is something that's useful for for people that listen to your podcast. Um, where do I start? So when I was younger, I, I didn't really recognize that I was dealing with some anxiety and some things like that. Some mental health things they didn't really ever bother me that much. Um, but then I went and served a, it's a two year service mission for my church where you go and you serve people and you talk about, uh, Christ and Christian values and things like that. But a part of this is you, um, have to go through kind of a getting a worthiness process to go on this mission. And so, uh, all growing up, I was like, okay, like I got to go on, like, I'm going to go on this mission. Um, but I gotta, I gotta be worthy or whatever. And then when the time finally came, I was like, oh shoot, like I should probably go talk to someone about some things in my life that I have done. So I went and talked to some leaders and I talked to them and I'd leave and I'd feel pretty good about it. And then I would, my brain would think of of other things. It's like, Oh, Hey, you didn't tell him this. Like you didn't tell him this. You didn't tell him that. And I was like, Oh shoot. And I'd feel just like sick again. Like I am a total, just straight to, I am a horrible person. Not like a, Oh, maybe there's some things going on. It's like, I am a terrible, horrible person. I need to like, go talk to him again. So I'd go talk to him again. And they're like, look, dude, you're good. Like relax. You're fine. And so I kind of got like, I got over it, but there was one night where I was at college at the time. I was actually in Virginia. This was before I went to Dixie. Um, I was at a college in Virginia and and I had so much pent up anxiety that I didn't know what was going on, but I had so much anxiety that I like threw my runners on at like midnight and I went and ran like five miles like in the city because I was just like so amped up and I didn't know I didn't know what it was. But at the time I thought it was I thought it was God telling me, hey, you need to like get your crap together kind of a thing. Anyways, fast forward, I end up going on my mission and <clears throat> this comes back up. So this whole pattern of me feeling like I'm a horrible person needing to go talk to someone to fix it, quote unquote, confess, get that relief of confessing. And then eventually my brain being like, 
oh, what about this other stuff? And then me just feeling awful. So this went on for two years. I kind of just like strong arm my way through my mission. I lost like 25 pounds. I was a very mentally sick individual, but people wouldn't know it. And I was willing to die on my sword to fix it. Like, I was like, no, like I'm going to, I am going to figure this out. But what happened was swinging between that was I could never fix it enough. It was never good enough. My brain always found something else that was like not quite good enough. And so that kind of pushed me into depression. So I was really anxious and then it swung me over into depression because I had no opportunity to try and fix it. And so now I'm just like this super depressed, like shell of a person. I'm like, wow, what is happening to me? Like what is going on? <clears throat> so when I got home from my mission, I, uh, came home, like met with some therapists and like, I'd see them and like nothing really resonated with me. Like they'd be like, they were doing some weird, like eye movement things. And I'm like, dude, what the freak is this? Like, no, this is, this isn't it. And I remember telling my parents like this, this isn't it. Like, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me, but I, this isn't working. And, uh, but when I got home, I, I play soccer. And when I got home, I was planning on going back and playing at Dixie. I guess it's Utah tech university now, but I went back to play there and I was so tired. Like I wasn't as stressed about things because I wasn't on my mission. I wasn't kind of in that environment anymore, but I was like, just trying to have enough energy to just play soccer. So I was like sleeping eight hours a night. At least I was eating super healthy. I was taking naps before practice. And I still was like operating at like 50% at practice. And I'm like, I'm going to die. Like what is going on? And I ended up seeing another therapist and they prescribed Prozac to me. So if the people that, you're, that listen to your podcast, Prozac is an SSRI, which is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which allows more serotonin to stay in your brain because it's blocking off nodes in your brain to reuptake that serotonin. So the idea is the serotonin is your happy chemical and they're going to try and kind of help you with that. And to be fair, um, I had beaten on myself with so many negative thoughts for so long that, yeah, when I took that medication, it definitely helped. Like I totally had a boost of like, I had all this energy. I wasn't dealing as, with as many intrusive thoughts anymore. And I was like, okay, awesome. Like this is going to be great. Um, I stayed on that medication for four years and I'm going to circle back to this, but during that time I didn't do any different work. I didn't, I wasn't changing my brain and like working on the ways that I was interacting with it. I just took the medication because all I cared about was playing soccer really. But then, so once I finished with, with soccer and school was over and I moved back up North and I started working, I was like, you know what? I kind of have like a pretty good handle on things, I think, and I'm going to get off the medication. And at this time I'd started working and trying to make some changes. Um, and I got off the medication and I went cold Turkey and cold Turkey is never the move for the most part with anything. And so when I got off it, I started getting these things called brain zaps, where if you turn your head, you kind of get like a, a jolt to your body. Um, and so we like, I ended up tapering after that. We tapered for a month. My physician was like, okay, let's taper for a month. So I did every other day, like 10 milligrams. It was like the lowest dose you could get. And after that month, I just stopped taking it all together and I was good. Like I wasn't having the brain zaps anymore. And then um, about four months after that, I hit acute withdrawal syndrome and I didn't know what this was. And we went through a whole process trying to figure out what this was because no one could tell me. I would go to the physicians and I had these really super out of body experiences. My vision started getting blurry. Um, I wasn't sleeping. I didn't sleep for like a week straight. Um, And there was all these, I was getting crazy headaches, like crazy, crazy headaches. I was super tired, lots of intrusive thoughts. I was like, I was like, I, this is it. Like, this is the end. Like, I, 
I don't know what is happening to me, but something is not right. So I'd see the physicians and I'm like, they're like, no, it's not withdrawals. Like it, it's gotta be something else. Like we, at one point we thought it was a tumor. So I went and got full brain scans, um, to see if I had a tumor. Of course it was not a tumor. And, um, one day, like one of the lowest points, I mean, I just was super apathetic, very lethargic, very depressed and anxious kind of back and forth. Um, just, I mean, just in a really bad place. I mean, I think about that. I was in a really bad place and I was searching on the internet for anything. I mean, any help with what, you know, what would help me with this. And I ended up coming across a forum called surviving antidepressants. And I started reading some of the stories on there and I was like, yo, this is it. Like I'm having withdrawals. I just didn't know. No one told me, none of the physicians knew this. Like no one knew what these drugs do to you. And so I got on there and there's some really cool admins on this website that are pretty like active on there. And I started telling them what was going on and they're like, yeah, you're in withdrawals. And I even tried reinstating some other medications because it was so bad. And the reinstating of those other medications made it even worse. So I ended up getting off those. Um, and basically once you've gone cold Turkey for long enough, you can't reinstate. It makes it worse. And it's kind of like you're in the middle of the tunnel. It's like, you literally have no other way than to just go for it and just keep moving through it. So um, I had acute withdrawal symptoms for about two years, um, two years of trying to slug through this just garbage. Um, and I think getting into the details of that is maybe for another time, but that was a total mess, an absolute mess. And so I'm about, I'm, I think I'm about two and a half years, three years now post taking, not taking those drugs anymore. So that's, that's one side of the story. But the other side of the story is as I was going through these withdrawals, I kind of had this, I don't want to call it awakening, but just like, look, this isn't working. And the way that I'm interacting with myself obviously is not working. And so I found a guy, his name's Mark Freeman. He wrote a book called You Are Not a Rock. And his approach to mental health is completely different than anything I'd ever seen. Um, his approach is that it's like fitness. It's like physical fitness. So if you go to the gym, you wouldn't say to someone that is has never been to the gym, hey, you have a weightlifting disorder because you can't lift 300 pounds. Like, oh, you have a disorder and we should probably like, give you some drugs and whatever else, because you can't do that. No, you'd say, well, obviously you haven't been going to the gym, so you need to go, you need to go lift heavy things until you can't lift them anymore, break down your muscles and let them rebound, build back stronger so that you can go lift those things. And his approach to mental health is the exact same way. So it's all about this mental fitness aspect of all the things that our brains tell us that we can't do. So every time I was trying to confess or like solve for uncertainty in my life, I was re kind of relayering that feedback loop of an illness first approach. So to be happy meant I had to confess, feel good about it. And then my brain was like, oh, that felt good. Like you liked doing that. Well, I'm going to go find a whole bunch of other stuff you can go confess to, and that's going to help you feel better. And so it's just this illness problem first approach. And so the switch was, we're going to take a valued base approach. So what are the things that I want to be doing in my life? What are the things that I want to build and grow and develop? And I'm going to go do those things. And while I do that, that is going to be um, in the mental health world, they call it ERP, exposure response prevention therapy, where I'm going to expose myself to the things that really trigger me and cause a lot of issues, but I'm not going to respond like I've been in the past. I'm not going to do anything to control it, solve it, fix it, do anything about it. It's just going to freak out for a sec. But while that's doing that, I'm going to focus on the valued actions that I want to do in my life. And the idea is that that is the work of lifting the weights and changing your brain and showing your brain, Hey, you little six-year-old that, you know, got really scared when 
this traumatic event happened or whatever it was, I'm going to show you differently. And I know you're going to freak out and scream and everything else, but it's okay. Like I got us. I'm going to like, I'm going to hold your hand and we're going to do it differently. Like we're going to do this differently. And so I started working on this. I started changing this and I started cutting out these things called safety behavior. So I stopped confessing. I stopped checking locks and it, and it was all over. I mean, I had things all over the place I was doing. So I was checking locks all the time. Like I'd lock the doors of my house and then I'd go check them again just to, just to make sure that they were locked because I wasn't quite sure. And then I'd leave and then it's like, Oh, but what if someone broke into the house? Like I should probably go check the locks. And that sounds so like everyone does this, like everyone checks locks and things like that. But it was the idea of the more you check the locks, the more uncertain you're going to be that you actually lock the lock. So the more you do it, the worse it gets, the more you have to check the locks. So I had to stop checking locks. It's like, I can check them once and then that's it. And I would be sitting in bed and my brain's like, I don't know, like maybe someone's going to break in the house. Maybe like you're going to get kidnapped. Like what if someone like busts into the house and like everything, you know, the house burns down and your kids get taken away or whatever. Right. Or your someone in your family gets hurt and it's like, Oh no, 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 no. I don't want that bad thing to happen. I'm going to go check the lock. And so it's kind of what our brain would do to get us back into these old patterns of doing things. And so I started to notice that all of this stuff was just basically like an addiction, any sort of addiction. It's all the same. So you don't want, you're having a hard time dealing with difficult feelings. You don't want to deal with vulnerability. You don't want to, uh, you know, you're scared of the uncertainty in life or whatever is coming up and your brain trying to be the helpful brain that it is because it wants to help keep us safe. It would just be like, oh, well, uh, you don't want this bad thing to happen. So you should probably go do all these things. And that looks totally different for everybody. Um, and for me, it was originally labeled as OCD. That was kind of the label that was slapped on it. OCD, anxiety, depression, all that kind of stuff. But as I started doing this work, I realized that it's not really, there's not really any labels per se. It's just brain stuff. Everyone has a brain. Everyone's brains do these kinds of things in different ways to try and keep them safe and make sure that nothing happens to them. But the thing is, again, the more you check the locks, the more you give into these compulsions or these safety behaviors, the smaller your life gets. So you stop being social. If going to social events makes you anxious, people are like, oh, I hate being anxious. So I'm just going to avoid going altogether. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you do, you stop, you don't do any things you actually want to do in your life because you're so busy trying to fix all this anxiety and depression and OCD and all this kind of stuff. So that was a major switch for me was we're now going to approach this from a value-based approach. So I started doing that. I started making changes and cutting things out and trying to kind of lean into this stuff. And it got messy. Like my brain was throwing up all kinds of intrusive thoughts and all kinds of really difficult things were coming up. And, and I failed a lot. I failed a lot trying to do this. And Mark in his book calls it the uncertainty curve. So anytime you're trying to make a major change in your life, as soon as you start making that change, your brain hates it. It's like, whoa, whoa, we don't want to do it any different than we've been doing it. And it's going to give you all kinds of different, it could give you headaches. It could give you physical symptoms. It can give you emotional symptoms. It can give you tough thoughts. You don't want to deal with anything it can do to try and pull you back to do what you've been doing before. But the more you just don't listen to it, you don't listen to it. You don't listen to it. And eventually you'll crest the top of that uncertainty curve and you innovate. So we call it innovation where you change the way you're doing things all together. And then your brain finally realizes, oh, we didn't die. And this new way is actually pretty cool. So yeah, I'm on board. Like, let's do it. And uh, so I started doing all this stuff. And actually, I moved to Hawaii last year. And I went for three months. And while I was out there, I got rid of all my social media. I got rid of all my distractions. I got rid of everything. And I was in an unfamiliar place. I was living with a buddy that was out there. 
And uh, I got out there and just kind of put myself in a little bit of a box and uh, cut out all this stuff. And my brain went bonkers. I mean, it went straight to bonker town. Like it was, I got so many intrusive thoughts. I had so much anxiety, I had so much things. And, and my brain just wanted to control my environment because I was swimming in so much uncertainty. Like it was so out of the norm, so different. So all these things. And my brain was just trying to give me anything that it could to get me to react and try and start controlling my environment and things like that. And I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to do this. Like I'm not, I'm not giving into this anymore. And it was really hard because it feels so right to go do it. Like it feels like the right thing to do. And so it feels wrong, like not doing those safety behaviors. And you're like, what is going on? But I just kept holding on, kept holding on. And about a month into this month and a half into this experience, it just broke. Like I kind of got up and over that uncertainty curve and all my feelings switched from like really being super negative on myself. Like what's wrong with me, you know, trying to pick things apart, solve things, fix things. It switched from that to all of a sudden I was just feeling an immense deep gratitude for Hawaii. I was being so grateful for, I was like, wow, I love my family. Like I have an incredible family. Like, wow, Hawaii is really cool. Like I love being here. And I felt so close to God or the universe or whatever people want to call that. I felt so close. And I was like, I didn't have to do anything for this. Like I didn't have to confess. I didn't have to talk to anyone. I didn't have to like go to church. I didn't have to, I have to do anything. And that love was just there. It was just readily available for me there. And this was really a big turning point for me was, okay, this stuff works. Like you can do it and you can build the muscles to kind of move through this. And so I, I kind of held on to that for about a week while I was out there. I was like, wow, this is incredible. But as soon as my brain, I went back to checking on stuff. I was like, Hey, you know, I'm just going to go check on this memory one last time, just to make sure that I like solved it just good enough. And if you can see, this is the same pattern of like, Oh, I'm just going to go check the locks one more time. And then it dropped my brain kind of back into that lower area of like back to solving and problem solving and all that kind of stuff. And so, but anyways, that was like my first experience of like, okay, this stuff, this stuff works. Like you, you can do it. It's just really hard. Like, it's just, it's just really intense. Um, and so since then, since last year, I've really been making a lot of these changes and cutting things out and um, changing that kind of stuff. And, and what I found is the more that I've, I've made those changes underneath all that is the beliefs that are running everything and come to find out there's probably a lot of limiting, poor, not very useful beliefs down there that are causing a lot of these issues. And it's normally three or four or five really main big issues. I mean, that's really the big monster that's chewing on your leg. It's not all the other symptoms. It's not the addictions. It's not the poor habits. It's not, those are all just things we're doing to try and control, solve, and take care of that uncertainty. But really at the root of the problem for me, and as I've talked with other people is these really limiting beliefs down here, these things that are just, just not really operating super well. So and so I kind of stepped into those and started like, okay, well, if I can change this stuff, I can change my beliefs. Like I can choose to believe whatever I want. And so I've been working on implementing new beliefs and doing different things that way. And what that's looked like has been, okay, so this is how I'm right now making the server, but I don't get it. is not useful. So what belief would I like to believe in? That's going to be a lot more useful for me. And then I'm going to act accordingly. So even though everything in me doesn't feel like that belief true, it's like, I freak out. It's like, I'm going to go believe this and we're going to act this way. 
And eventually it starts to change. The brain starts to like figure out like, oh, we're not going to die. It's all good. We can risk and open working and talking with people and all these things. Right. I mean, it's like this, there's just a deeper level in all of us, but it's so clouded by all these distractions, all these things that we do to control, check on, um, reassure, validate. And it's changing the way that I interact with, with almost everything. I mean, I used to like emotionally dump my baggage on like my family or like my friends all the time. Like, Oh man, like just talk to them about everything. That's like bothering me. Like just, and what I noticed was this was kind of the same thing I was seeing in like regular talk therapy was you have to continue to have your therapist. So it's like, yeah, you go to your therapist and it feels pretty good. Like, yeah, like, wow, I feel so good. I'm so glad I like got that off my chest and like talked to my therapist about all my stuff. But within a week, you're like, gosh, dang it. I gotta go back to my therapist. Like I gotta go see him again because my life is a mess again. And I just realized I'm like, this doesn't work. This isn't useful for people. And so in line with a lot of the stuff that I learned with Mark, I ended up like kind of mentoring with him and having him coach me a little bit is this idea of at the point that you know how to do the workouts and you know how to make changes, you don't, you shouldn't really need a therapist anymore. Like you can, you can do those changes. You can do the workouts. You can build your muscles. And just like it would be for anything else, I'm, I'm currently working on training for a marathon. It's super helpful to have a coach when you've never done it before. Like having someone to help guide you on that process and guide you on that road is so helpful. But at the end of the day, I'm the one that has to run the marathon, not the coach. Mm -hmm. And I started noticing that I was like, this is kind of the same thing with therapy. Like, I don't think people should be in therapy forever. And also, um, we got to get rid of all the quick fixes. Like, it's just, you got to work out (laughs) and it's sweaty, difficult work. Like you're going to have a lot of anxiety. You're going to have depression. You're going to have difficult thoughts. Like all these things are going to come up. But the alternative to me, what I found was so... Um, just kind of, it feels like unempowering. It's like, well, if we can't change anything, then we're just stuck for the rest of our lives. And we slap a label on ourselves that, oh, I'm an addict or, oh, I have OCD or, oh, I have this. And, and because I have this, I can't have relationships. I can't build a business. I can't do any of the things I want to do because I have this stability. Like I just can't, can't do it. And this may sound like harsh and like mean, but it's like, I know it's such a difficult place. And like, I want to have so much empathy for people, but it's like, you, you can change. Like there is a way out. Um, but you have to choose to like actually want to be healthy and stop allowing that stuff to kind of just hold you there. Like kind of keep you in the, in the cave. So I don't know how much you want of that story. I tried to like sum that up really quick, but that's, that's basically the journey of, of where I've come to now with doing the valued adventure stuff is what are the things that you want to be doing in your life? And let's go do that. Like, let's go do it. And on that journey, you're going to learn how to swim through uncertainty and swim and learn how to do all these things. And learning how to swim is a totally different skill than learning how to not drown. Like we're going to learn how to swim. Like we're going to, we're going to like, we're going to be good swimmers instead of drowning, you know, the whole time. So. No, I love that. You said there were two things that you said where I totally felt like I was called out. (sighs) And it was like, were you saying um, that your brain will try to keep you in that comfortable zone, right? Like it'll make you feel headaches, whatever that might do to keep you in that comfort zone instead of changing. And um, it was a few months ago, I got diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome um, or Mm. chronic Epstein-Barr virus. So like Mm. the monovirus, like I've never had mono that I know of, but now I have that. And so in my mind, like 
I love working out. I used to work out every single day, but now like that I have that title, like I'm like, oh, well I'll work out these days. And then the next days, like my body is just shutting down and I'm super tired. But as you're saying that I'm like, oh, I bet you that has a lot to do because I haven't been working out anymore because I didn't know what was wrong that now I'm like, my body is comfortable with not waking up early. It's comfortable with not going out and working out. Um, because it just wants to stay in that comfort zone. And now once I start trying to change it, like my body gets overly tired. Whereas if I just continue to do something every single day, cause, um, our brain, like you said, it's a muscle. And if we train it to accept like that, we have a certain me having that, um, chronic fatigue. Like if I, if I claim that as who I am, I'm like, I don't want to do anything every single day. Like I could just lay in my bed all day long, but the moment that I start changing and I've noticed this, cause I've tried to see difference, um, in my life is when I start not claiming that as a part of who I am and just trying to change what I'm doing to counteract how I'm feeling like it's so different like your body is just your brain can heal itself like but you have to do the work to figure out how to do it and like you said you have like it's hard to just figure it out and for me therapy and counseling didn't work because I continued to bring up that past and that's where I had anxiety was focusing on past stuff and I couldn't move forward which I was wanting to be better for tomorrow and not focusing on yesterday so that was something for me that I really had to learn to move forward. So I love that you said those. And then some, you were talking about um, like how our brain, like you go and check the lock, but the more that you go and check it, there's a thing in our brain, it's the filter, it's called the RAS. Um, I can't remember what it stands for, but it just shows you what's important. So like when you buy a new car and you start seeing that car everywhere, it's because your brain knows it's important because you bought it. So if you go and, check that lock one time it's important to you and the more you do it it's more important and so it just kind of connected all of those dots for me so I loved all those points so thank you so much um so if you in your darkest moment what is the advice you wish you could have received or the advice you wish you could go back and uh give yourself when you felt like you were struggling the most um I think the biggest one for me would probably be, and, and it's, it's tough to, I think in the darkest moment, I, and maybe a lot of people feel this way, but it's like, no one understands. It's like, no one sees me. No one, no one understands the depth of how difficult this is and like what's happening to me. And as much as I had loved ones around me at times, I mean, when I got home from my, my mission, I wasn't out there by myself and I, I had family around me and I have a very close relationship with my family. Um, as much love and empathy as they were trying to give to me they didn't they can't know right like they don't they don't know exactly what's going on and even if they did i probably wouldn't have accepted it because i was so hell bent on i am going to fix this like i will die on my sword fixing this like i will push myself until i literally drop until i can finally fix this kind of a thing and i think if i could go and tell my my younger self in those spots would probably be look, one, you don't have to fix anything. Like that is the problem. Trying to fix things is the problem. You're exhausting yourself. So you need to relax. And then two, you have to start working on loving yourself more, giving yourself some compassion because 
those negative thoughts and things, eventually it started to really feel like I was taking just like a pickaxe to my brain. It was like hitting myself. Mark says this all the time, like hitting yourself with a frying pan. It's like, we just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and thinking that a new result's going to happen. But it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't change anything. And, but loving myself and being compassionate to myself felt wrong. It felt like it was like, I, I need to be punished for these things. Like I need to, I need to feel some weight of like punishment and things like that. And I wish I could have, if I could go and tell myself that if I was struggling in that spot was like, Hey, it's okay to rest. It's okay to recover. It's like your brain is going to heal. Um, but we're going to do things differently. Like the way you're doing things isn't working and I'm going to put my arm around you and we're going to do it differently, but it's all good. Like you're going to, you're going to make it out of this, but it's going to be tough. But the work you're doing is not the right work. Let's, let's do it differently. And I think that's the case for most people. Most people I don't think are procrastinators, lazy, um, uninvolved, all these other things. I think at the core, people want to be good. They want to be successful. They want to give and share with people, but we get so held up with all these things. And it's like the way we're doing it is wrong. So I understand that you want these things and I'm just going to help you help guide you to do it differently. Like you're going to make it out of this. That would have been, that would have been awesome if I could have found someone that I trusted enough to like actually believe those words. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the hard thing too, is like when we believe our own lies that we're telling ourselves, which are our self-doubting thoughts, our intrusive thoughts, like it's hard when you have somebody come and tell you something different because we don't believe it. Yeah. And you can tell this by like, if you go and give somebody a compliment and they're like, Oh, thanks. You're nice. Like the moment they go, Oh, you're like, you don't believe it. Like, you I don't have, believe it. You don't uh, want to accept this. Yeah. You can immediately tell, like, they're just trying to be nice back to you saying, thank you, but they don't believe what you said. Um, I had one of my husband's students, she like ran this whole program and like with thousands of students and she was up there being like this cute little senior boss woman, like running the whole show. And I, she just was so confident. I came and gave her a compliment. I'm like, you've grown so much this year. I'm so proud of you. And she goes, Oh, thanks. You're nice. And I was like, no, you can't do that because you're <laughs> not accepting my compliment because you don't believe it. And she goes, how did you know that? I'm like, it's because I do it. Like, I know exactly yeah. what you're doing. You don't believe it yourself, but you, I'm going to say it again. You need to believe this because if you were just to pass by and not do anything about like that, they would be, they would forget that you even gave that compliment because immediately they're already telling themselves, no, that's not true. But yeah, that can't be right. Yeah. That's not me. As I called yeah, her no out way. on it, she was like, oh, like, thank you. Like she, like, I don't know if I made her do it. I don't know. I hope I, <laughs> I hope <laughs> did it, but I think, I hope that it made her realize like, oh, I really don't believe this. And other people are seeing that I'm accomplishing something different, you know, but yeah, because we are, when our brain, it filters out, right? Like she got, got that filtered out and it wasn't important, but her brain, instead of hearing that I said she did good, she said, Oh, I'm going to say thank you, but that's not true. Like that yeah. was immediately what the brain did because it's a, it's a muscle that we have trained. And I think we all do it in certain things. Like you said, procrastination, like those are th signs of like having self-doubting thoughts and like you're overthinking 
And then it goes into self-doubting. So like those are triggers. And when you notice that you're doing it, it's because you're being overwhelmed or you're having something triggered to the point where you're shutting down. And that is your reaction. Like it's our brain, our bodies show us what we are doing, but it's a matter of understanding what we're doing that actually helps us move forward in life um, instead of staying in that cycle. And that was something that I had to learn is like, I'm, I can get in cycles very easily, but I've been able to learn how to get out of them. And it's all about making and changing new behaviors. You have to add a new behavior to change, to get to the way you want. So I think that all the points you said were spot on. So I love that. I love that. I think too, with the, like, you know, we all get in those, those tracks and those, you know, old ways of doing things. And I think a big part of mental fitness is realizing that we stepped onto the hamster wheel and being able to get off it Mm -hmm. because there's going to be times where things just come up. Like life is just life and things are going to happen and we're going to have uncomfortable thoughts and feelings and whatever else. Like that is the human experience. Trying to get rid of anxiety is like, that's anxiety is a part of being human. And so if you want to get rid of it all the time, like that's not going to work. But if we can realize like, okay, so when this stuff comes on and I'm starting to ruminate and I'm starting to slip into old patterns of belief. And I'm starting to notice my brain throwing up all these other things that I should do. It's like, hold on. Okay. This is the way I did it before. Um, how can I step out of this regulate my nervous system and make a different decision when the brain's trying to just like take full control and like push us around like a little five-year-old. And I think that's a big part of it. Um, is like kind of just notice, noticing the hamster wheel and then deciding like, all right, well, I'm just going to step out here. Something different. I love that. I think it, that is, it's all about self-reflection and it's so hard to be able to really dive into your self-reflection. But once you start practicing, you start noticing when you're on the hamster wheel, because yeah. if you don't, then you're just stuck on it. And then there's no escaping until either you're flung off because you tripped and fell hard or whatever that might look like. But once you're able to realize it's it's life-changing. So I love that you've been able to do that. Like that's such a great accomplishment and it is something that you have to continue to do. And it's a muscle that we get to continue to grow, but I think it's really important that you're able to go out and share that, um, with other people. So with your business value to venture, what are you trying to do with that? Um, so the value venture is, is this idea of when I was in Hawaii, every time I'd, <clears throat> I'd sit on the beach, I'd go to the beach by myself and no one knew where I was. There's just something about this, this whole idea of like, no one knows where I am right now. I'm on the beach by myself. There's no one else out here on the beach. I can see the ocean. I can't see the end of the ocean. And there's just kind of this, kind of this feeling and just like vibe of like, I'm on the tip of, I could do and be whoever I want. Like there's just something special to me when I was sitting out there and contemplating and kind of thinking about things. And, and a lot of times I'd be out there and be having all kinds of like anxiety and intrusive thoughts and all kinds of stuff. And I'm just like sitting there with it. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is intense. Um, but I got this idea of, as I started making these changes, that, that whole idea of like, you can do and be and, and adventure and, you know, go explore anything that you want in life. Like go do the stuff you actually want to do instead of spending all your time trying to fix and solve depression, anxiety, OCD, you know, all our problems or whatever. And that stuff will naturally, you know, get better as you focus on the things you want to actually be doing. They can come along for the ride. And so I started this valued adventure. Um, and one of the things that for me, when I was getting coached with Mark was we were focusing on the things that I wanted to be doing more in my life. And one of the things was I have always wanted to build a clothing brand. Like I love the idea of 
building a community. Like whenever I was on a, a team or a soccer team, I loved being a part of the team, like getting the gear, having everything on was like, I'm a part of something bigger than myself. And I just love that community of what that meant to me. And so I was like, you know what, this is a great opportunity for me to share these skills. I love working with people and I love coaching them and guiding them. I think I, it's so valuable to me, the things that I've learned and continue to learn as I'm doing this, that I'm like, man, I'd love to share this with other people and find ways to give more. Um, as well as I kind of want to build a clothing brand. So I've started building, we did our first prototypes of hats and shirts, and I'm kind of picking the fabric out and we're going to custom build all that stuff. So one side of that is going to be clothing, um, and kind of trying to build a community around what the valued adventure is taking those valued actions in our lives. Um, and then another side of that is valued adventure coaching. So I do uh, mental fitness coaching is what I call it. And we basically just take these principles and apply it. Like, what are the things that you want to explore, build, and create in your life? And let's focus on that. Like, let's go focus on the things you actually want to be doing. And we'll start making changes. It's going to be tough. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. But that's kind of what, what I do with it. So. Awesome. I love that. Um, so if somebody is feeling they, like they want to reach out to you, where is the best place that they can find you? Um, so on Instagram, you can look it up. It's called the valued dot adventure is the, I think the Instagram handle on that, um, underneath there, there's a LinkedIn, uh, link and it'll take you to, there's a podcast where we talk about the principles that we use with this kind of stuff. Um, and then there's also a Calendly link. So you can set up a free consultation, um, to just see if this is something that you'd want to do with, from like a coaching standpoint. Um, and you can reach out to me that way. So that's really the best way, or you can send DMS on there as well. Um, and I, take a look at those every day. So perfect. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining. I'm so happy that we were able to have you on. Um, is there anything else that you want to say before we close off? Uh, no, I mean, I think this has been great. I mean, I really appreciate you bringing me on the podcast. I've, I've really enjoyed seeing your content and like just the journey that you're doing. It's, it's really cool. And I think it's so useful for people. I, um, a big part of this journey for me has been learning to what can I give instead of what can I take? What can I get from situations and things like that? And I love uh, having people in my life that are building and growing things that are so useful for people. So I appreciate you. Thanks for letting me come on. Thank you, Zach, so much. I think Zach is a great example of someone who is fighting for their own health. He is going out and physically fighting for himself, but then also he was fighting for himself within his um, care physicians. So I think it's really important because there's times where we have to fight for our physical health, where we have to fight for our emotional health, and times where we have to even fight for our spiritual health. So it is so important that you are your own advocate and you start listening to your own body um, and don't try to chalk it up to something else. Like if you feel like something's wrong, listen to your gut. It, You are almost always right. So um, with that, I think, again, Zach is a great example. So you guys can definitely reach out to him if you're needing help with anything. If you're wanting to come on to the podcast at all, we have just still having people message us through our Instagram DM, which is at the Bailey Carlson, or you can email at our at my email, which is baileycarlson at shestandstrong.com. I would love to have you guys on to talk about your experiences, both in person or if you want to do it anonymously, I would love to have you do that as well. So um, 
with that, we are starting a newsletter that talks about the things that I have learned in life and also talking about what our podcast um, schedule is. So if you're wanting to know fully about what podcasts we have coming up, uh, what our topics are, what the days are that they're going to be released, we have the link in our episode description. So just make sure you go and look at that. And next, we're just excited to see you at our next episode. So-